This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are talking about uh, praying the prayer. How do you help your kids give their lives to Christ? Uh, We're going to answer a question about divorce and how do you coach kids through that? And uh, in the wild card section... (laughs) going a bit off track here, but it's wild card, so I can do what I like. And uh, I'm going to talk about milestones and periods and uh, all sorts of things <laughs> about how how are milestones in our kids' lives and how can we help them be something significant spiritually. So you know, hang in for that. Uh, and as always, we'll have a question to start an interesting conversation. I just also wanted to say, uh, this week we've had loads of Facebook Lives going on. And uh, I just want to say that um, when that happens on the Parenting for Faith uh, page, uh, Facebook page, uh, we also have those sort of recorded long term. So if you missed our navigating friendship drama this week, or uh, if you're a children's leader, the in it for the long haul conversation we had about how to have sustainable ministry or um, the running the course uh, Facebook Live that we did sort of help you get started. If, if you want to tap into those or anything else that we ever did on Facebook Live, please, please feel free to just go to the Parenting for Faith BRF Facebook page and uh, you just need to click on the videos tab and there you'll have all the videos that we've done, not only with Facebook Lives, but also uh, some of the other videos that we've posted up there. So that's just a way to connect in. You won't get to ask live questions and have me uh, respond to you, but you'll at least have access to the information afterwards. Now, I wanted to jump straight in, really, to the question of the day. Now, normally we only do questions in the questions section, but uh, today there was a, a comment that came in from from a, a good friend of the podcast, a listener, who uh, I really just wanted to give a whole section to. Uh, the question is this, what do you think about leading your own children to make decisions to follow Jesus? I feel a bit torn because I'm nervous that our kids will sense that we want them to do it, so they might do it just to please us or might be afraid to disappoint us. On the other hand, not bringing it up with them could be missing opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work in them and take them deeper so they do make genuine commitments. And I just want to say, first of all, if you have questions or comments or ponderings, please send them in because I love hearing them and I love responding to them. And I think this is a really big topic because it feels like, you know, the big one, the the helping your kids jump in with two feet into making a commitment to Jesus. And a big Big commitment moments can be huge for children. There are uh, many people who are Christians uh, who feel like you know they had this massive, significant moment where they you know fully gave their lives to Christ, and it was this this dividing line in their life, and and that can be a significant moment. Uh, but for others, I also want to say that that very few lifelong commitments happen when you're kids. There are very few things that kids say, I am making a lifelong commitment to this. Uh, most often what happens is is they are exposed to the gospel, they are exposed to something of God, and they want to respond to it. And so whether it's at home, whether it's it's at church, there's a response 
desire. And for some people that turns into their big moment of commitment with God. And for other people, it turns into a, a small connection with him that um, can sort of lay out the foundations of a lifetime. And f- so for me, I find it helpful to not think about how can I help my kid to do their big moment? Because the big moment is what it has to be. What I find it helpful to think about is how do I help my kid respond to the gospel, to the best of their ability at the time. And for some of those, that might mean a big moment. For some of those, that might mean a small moment of response over and over and over and over again for a lifetime. Because if you reflect on your experience with God, some of us have huge moments and some of us have a series of small ones. And even the ones who have big moments have a series of small ones as well. I mean, for me, I remember uh, my first response to understanding something of the truth of of God was when at four, I I really understood that Jesus forgave me. And so I remember like responding to that and uh, in, in traditional senses, praying the prayer. But I don't remember feeling like I totally understood everything. And I don't remember thinking I'm in it for a lifetime, God. And I don't remember it being a big commitment. I just remember it being a significant response to God. I remember when I was six, I was terrified of dying at night. And so I remember like every night I would ask God to forgive me and clear me of sin so that in case I died at night, I would go to heaven. Uh, That was, again, a response to the truth of the gospel. But it wasn't a moment where I'm like, I'm in God forever. It was more about securing my eternity. At nine, I felt God's presence of purpose and relationship. And I responded to him again with that story of, of, of actually walking with him more and talking to him more. At 14, I, I sort of heard his voice and understood that I was significant to him and that he, he, that it's on me to die to myself and make him king. At 17, I remember um, just trying to walk the gray of my choices with him and wanting to get his wisdom on that. And so responding to the gospel that says he will guide me and on and on and on and on. So when did I make my big moment of commitment? I feel like all of them were big moments of commitment and none of them were my one big moment or they all were. It my life is a response, a constant response to the gospel and a new understanding of it at every age and stage of my life. Roman, uh, scripture says that Romans 10, you know, says, declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart um, that God raised him from the dead. You know, across churchmanships, different traditions uh, sort of outline what that looks like for us to declare with our mouth and to believe in our heart. Um, and what is common in all of those traditions is a feeling of of seeing and knowing who Jesus is and affirming with their heart and mouth the truth of it. And that can look different for every kid you have, and that can look different for every season that they're in. And so I tend to suggest to not be worried about how to set up and lead your child to their big moment. My suggestion is that you help your kid know how to constantly respond to the gospel Every time they feel prompted, whether or not it's the big, big one, because their life is going to be a season of that. So how do we help them do that? How do we set them up to live able to respond to the gospel to the extent of their understanding so that they are constantly living a lifestyle of declaring with their mouth and believing in their heart? Just four quick things. One, show your journey of faith. We've talked about creating windows a lot, but it's it's really, really helpful to say, 
um, not just the story of your big commitment, which is important to share if you have that story, if that is your journey of having a big moment, but also share, um, create windows into how you're constantly responding. Like you can say, you know, sometimes, sometimes I just become really aware of how, um, how wonderful God is. And sometimes I forget in the everydayness of life how wonderful he is. And then I think, wow, God, you, you made sure nothing is between you and me, that I can just sit here watching TV in the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Just to give your kid a window into the fact that sometimes you just marvel at the truth of who God is and what he did. As you pray, um, I, my dad always started off his, still does, See if I can get a recording of him doing it sneakily, but he always starts off with his prayers. Um, Heavenly Father, you know, I pray that you would uh, take away um, our sins, that there would be nothing between us and you. And that was how he started like every prayer I remember that just in as he prayed, he was just modeling this heartness of wanting to have nothing between us. Um, so whether you're saying we love you, God, or shape us to be like you, or thank you for for what you have done and how you have brought us to you. Those little things are all declarations of of Jesus being Lord and believing in our heart of who he is. So model, create windows of just how you live life responding to the gospel. Uh, the second thing is tell your stories of your lifetime of responding to the gospel. Uh, if you've had a dramatic story, great. If you haven't, fine. You know, tell those little stories of when you realized this and when you responded to that and what God did. Um, so whether your experience was dramatic or not dramatic, it's about living in the truth. Um, a third thing you could do is equip your kid to know how to do that. Rather than feel like you need to lead them through their experience, feel free to say, you know, if you ever want to tell God how you feel, um, what you think about him and believe about him, to say that you genuinely want to be all in, or if you just want to say, I'm so glad you exist, or I don't want to hold back from you, God, or say for the first time, thank you, whatever you want to do, God wants to hear all of it. At any point, you can just say, God, thank you for what you have done. Please come and sweep away anything that's between you and me, because you are king, and you are wonderful, God, and I want to be with you. Just let them know that there's no right words to do it. It's just about responding to what your heart believes about God. And then if you want to, if you're in those experiences to coach your kid through things, feel free to do that too. It is okay to, to talk it through. And this might not be about the gospel, by the way. Um, often what you'll find is you're in a gospel response without even knowing that you're in. So um, I've known many times, you know, people are talking about sin or swearing or, uh, you know, being rude to people. And, and all of that leads you inevitably to possibly a conversation about sin and how your heart feels heavy. And you can say, you know, when I feel upset that I messed up, I feel embarrassed and I feel heavy in my heart. And I know that sin, that sort of knowledge of my wrongness. And that's what Jesus came to remove. You know, sometimes it takes me a while to notice that it's there or notice that I feel disconnected from God. But when I want to get rid of that, God is there and ready. And I just say, I'm sorry I did that, God. Please make my heart clean. And then wait as he does that because he responds straight away. And then you can say, thank you, God. And I want more of you in my life. You can do that anytime. If you want me to help you do that, I'm always here to help you. But you can do that anytime. If you want your kid wants you to coach them through that experience, you can say things like, tell God how you feel about what you did and, and what's on your heart. Tell God what it feels like. Ask God what you want him to do. 
Tell them how you feel about that. You can coach them through that experience if you want, but empowering them to do it on their own and saying, I'm here to help you if you want, really enables them to constantly respond to all of the messages of the gospel that surrounds them so that their journey of life with God is is as unique as yours and everyone else's. So be encouraged. There's not one thing to get right or wrong. It's about weaving a whole path for our kids to constantly respond to the gospel that they know. the question section, we often get, well, often, we have received several uh, requests to talk about divorce and how do you coach kids through their parents walking through a separation and divorce. And uh, one of our team members, Becky, has been through that journey herself. And so we asked her to share some wisdom, some experience um, from her point of view of ways that you could help a child um, through this really difficult scenario and, uh, and who God is in the midst of that. Sometimes get contacted at Parenting for Faith by um, people who are at the beginning of separation or divorce. And of course, what they want to know is how can I parent my kid well through this? How can I disciple them and show them who God is and, and help them hang on to faith when this massive trauma has erupted in our family, shattering our dreams? And my experience of divorce is that it is a hard place to be. It's protracted. It's ugly. Situation changes from day to day. You've got all these emotions to deal with, as well as so many practical things. And in every family, your separation or divorce will be different from everybody else's. So the circumstances leading up to them will be different. How you and your partner are handling things will be different, and what the future looks like will be different. Um, but if it's helpful, I just want to share a few things which over the years I've learned. And the first thing is that it really is a journey. Sometimes we feel like we just hit a brick wall. This is it. My life is now rubbish. It's changed. But actually, it's a journey. It may feel very windy and very twisty. It may feel full of of pitfalls. You'll turn the corner and there'll be a surprise. Some of them will be horrible and some of them may be really nice. Um, But it is a journey and it will end. You'll get to a different place. You'll get to it's a transition between your life as it was, and the good next bit. But even on that journey, God is very very present and working and active. The second thing is to be kind to yourself. Um, When you travel on an aeroplane, they have that stuff at the beginning about keeping safe, and they have the the bit where the oxygen mask drops down, and they say, and if the oxygen masks appear, fit yours to yourself first before fitting it to your children. So basically what they're saying is make sure that you're okay, so that you can look after your kids. So you need to look after yourself uh, emotionally and spiritually. So one of the ways that's really helpful to do that is to, to find those people who are going to support you through this journey. You may already have a great group of friends. Uh, you may already have people who are in on this journey with you, but I found it very helpful the story of Aaron and her and Moses in Exodus 17. Basically, I think it's Exodus. Basically, Moses is um, on the top of this hill fighting the battle by raising his hands. God said, if, if your hands are lifted, then um, your army will be winning. But he gets tired. And so Aaron stands one side and her stands the other. And they hold his arms up until the battle is won. 
So what about finding two people who will be your Aaron and her for this season? Who'll metaphorically hold your arms up that you can talk to, who'll be available for a drink, who will chat with you, who'll hear your rants, who'll pray for you, who'll encourage you, who'll sort of turn up on the doorstep every now and then. Who are those people who'll walk this bit of the journey well with you? And allow yourself to flop sometimes. You'll find you become very tough. You have to keep going. You're picking up the pieces. You've got to be there for the kids. There's so many challenges, but sometimes just allow yourself to flop like David did in the Psalms and say, God, I can't do this. Where are you? Be honest with him. Allow yourself that that time with him sometimes. And know that you're stronger than you know you're stronger, not just because we like Winnie the Pooh quotes, but because you're not alone, because the God of the universe, the, the Lord of the angel armies has promised to be with you by your side, walking this journey step by step with you encouraging and equipping you. You're not on your own. My third top tip is to look up. I found that some days I was literally looking at the ground. I was so weighed down by the the problems and the enormity and, and the feelings that I would literally be looking down. And some days I just needed to look up, physically look up for a different perspective. And also look up to God. You know, it's easy not to recognize him or be able to connect with him. I remember I couldn't pray. I had no words. I just could feel his presence. And even that was kind of just in terms of I just knew he was there. So try and find space to allow yourself to connect with God in whatever way works for you. But also look at the Bible stories. I like the story of Hagar and Ishmael, how Hagar gets sent out into the the desert but she finds God's presence there and thinking about people like Mary in the Bible you know a 13 14 year old pregnant in an age when that was not allowed she was probably going down to Bethlehem heavily pregnant under this massive cloud of shame and fear and David hiding on the run so many times in his life read as you read those stories you know just chat to God about where was he what was he doing and how it might help you understand your journey And look up to a bigger picture, a bigger future. It's easy just to think this is it or I can't imagine what it will be like. But look at those families around you who are a little bit further down the the divorce or separation journey. Look at their kids. They're okay. Look at the parents. They found a new way to be. You know, that is for you too. You will get there. And don't forget the promise of God in Jeremiah 29 that he has good plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And try and connect with God and chat with him about those plans and, and let him guide you towards that, that place one step at a time. And the fourth thing is to be proactive for your kids. You know, you may need to stand in the gap for them for a little while, thinking about the places they go. Who may need to know about the change in their circumstances? Who might you want to, to forewarn their school, their nursery, the clubs, the people who... who um, they don't need to be explaining themselves to, or with an older child, perhaps work through with them how they might cope with the new situations and, and people who need to know. Help them talk about what's happening. Um, children may need permission to, to tell you things they think may upset you. They may not want to add to your problems. Find ways to chat about what's been happening. Parenting for Faith has key tools around things like framing, which is explaining, or creating windows, which is a way to help children see how you and God do life together. 
So try and find ways to help them open up and feel that they are able to say whatever they need to say. And if you're not the custodial parent for a while, um, maintain connection and little and often lots and lots of little messages. It's better than one long conversation once a fortnight. And if you are at home with them, you may find that they need more connection at this time. However, their love languages work. And pray for them as well as praying with them. Commit them into the hands of their loving Heavenly Father. And children are resilient and they will be okay. They're my top tips. Your journey, your story will be different. But I just want to say keep on keeping on. Keep looking up. And know that you are all in the palm of God's hands. Welcome to the wild card section. <laughs> this is going to be a wild card. In that, uh, sometimes a wild card section is interviews with, stra- with not strangers, with others. Sometimes uh, it's uh, getting the wisdom of wise people. Sometimes it's other people's contributions. And sometimes it's just me pondering stuff out loud and i'm sorry gang this is a ponder one uh being friends with me is weird i pity my poor friends uh my friends kids uh recently are growing up and uh some some of them have teenage girls and we have reached the moment where uh they have become women and uh and i inevitably always want to throw a party i'll throw a party for anything but uh, i really want to throw a party and i was reflecting on why what what's why do i why do i have this deep instinct to want to celebrate and mark this moment uh, and to be fair my friends are as weird as me and are like really on board but i just thought it was really interesting that there's something in human nature that wants to create milestones to have an opportunity to mark where you are to take a moment and acknowledge this is a significant thing and we want to mark it and say this is important And I think that's really significant for people's experiences. And therefore, I think it's really important for how we mark our kids' spiritual journeys as well as their life journeys. Because when we when we take a moment to mark something, we say this is significant and we build a, a specific memory around it that is that is important. There's a, a spiritual principle of, of marking and a, a sort of milestone. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, constantly people were building stone altars that said, in this time and place, I had this encounter with God. We, they crossed the Jordan and they built a, an altar that from the rocks that they got from the bottom of the river that said, this is what God did. When they encountered God, when God did something significant, there was a ritual of remembering, of, of forming a memory as it happens that they can then uh, hearken back to it later. And I remember uh, sort of my my experience of this um, is a sort of before and after. I remember graduating with my B.A., and I have very little memory of the actual ceremony. I remember being excited about it. I have, uh, I remember being hot. I remember having a very vague memory of seeing my professor and wanting to give him a hug on stage. Uh, I, I was always the person I am now. And, uh, and I started crawling over chairs to get to him and him yelling at me to stop and him coming around and hugging me on stage. I have this vague memory of that. And I remember getting off. 
But when I look at pictures from that day, I have no memory of all the posters my family made to wave for me. I don't remember looking at my parents and smiling. I don't remember uh, sitting in the chairs and I don't have no idea. the I have no memory of most of it because I think I just went through experiencing it. And I remember at my master's degree, I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to mark it and I wanted to remember it. I wanted to say this was hard and this was... This cost me, and I want to celebrate God's faithfulness in it. And so I remember going into it and saying, I'm going to remember every bit, and I'm going to look at my parents' faces, and I'm going to take a deep breath, and while I'm standing on the stage, say, thank you, God, and I'm going to pick up a rock from the beach where uh, where my uni is. I'm going to write on it, the, the memory of God. And I have so many memories of my master's degree ceremony, of how I was feeling, of, of encountering God when I was on the stage, of seeing my parents cry. I have so many memories of it because I decided to mark it. Um, and I think that's what ritual and ceremony give us is, is these, these bigger memories that say this is important. And I think that's significant for our kids. We can often think of big moments in the lives of our children, like the end of year six or starting school or their baptism. But don't forget the small things too. You know, I know someone who took their son out for dinner uh, on the day of his first major romance rejection. <laughs> It was like he had been, he had been, he had done everything honorably and he had been really wanting to woo this, this young woman. And uh, after months and months of trying to like be in group times with her and to value her, he finally asked her out and got flat out rejected. And I remember talking to these parents and they're like, we, we want to mark this because we're so proud of our son. And they took him out to eat with some of their friends and they were like, we're so proud of you. And they all told stories of their rejection times and uh, they prayed over him and his future um, wife, if God has that in his plans for his life. And uh, they spoke into him and said, you know, I, I just want to say you're going to, you're a wonderful man. I love how you handled this. And I so admire this. And they just bolstered him up. And that, that teenager is now, you know, in his thirties and still says like, that was really significant and shaping for him, you know, how he wanted to go forward and how he saw himself. And it was so significant for him that they, a, a Christian community surrounded him and said, this is who God is in it. And we value you. Um, whether it's the first time something cost them for the gospel, you know, the first time someone loses a friend uh, because of the gospel or serving on the church rota for the first time, you know, whatever it is, there are significant spiritual moments that are happening all the time. And sometimes it just takes a moment of, of marking it. I remember um, when I had my first sort of encounter with God, you know, sort of face to face. Uh, when I was nine, my mom took me out and bought me a little necklace that had the Holy Spirit dove on it. And I I still have it and I still wear it. It was like this really crucial moment in my life that we marked and I remember it and it became a, a, a foundation of my life because I remember when this happened. And so when I was far from God, I can remember it and I could touch that necklace. There are so many moments that our kids have. Uh, in our family, we tried doing cheesy well, I call it cheesy, uh, but like, I was like, I want to do something Christian, you know, Christian-y sort of. And so we began to pick up rocks from wherever we were uh, when, so, when God did something significant. So like when we found out about God's provision or when we decided to get married or uh, when uh, I was healed of something or when we um, decided when God called us out of a job and we would just pick up a rock from where we were and we'd write on it. And so in our house, we have this little pile of rocks, which have gotten very heavy, by the way. My initial idea was that I would then um, 
put it on our gravestone so that instead of having a gravestone, I would just have a pile of rocks of all the memories of what God did in our lives, which is all great and stuff, but until you move and those rocks are heavy. So the rocks have progressively gotten smaller. Now we're like, I'll find a pebble and write on it in very tiny writing. Uh, but whatever you do, it doesn't have to be huge. Um, you can throw a massive party, you can throw a small party, but take a moment to say, what is spiritually happening in my kid's life? And how can I just mark it, big or small? Um, you know, my my friend's children who are uh, becoming women, I want to throw a massive party with uh, tampon fights, quizzes, and uh, having everyone gather in a circle and write down what we value about the young women and what we appreciate in them and then put them in the middle and pray for them. Or we could just take them out to brunch and uh, sit around and just listen to them and tell them how much we like them and welcome into a community with a new phase in their life. It doesn't matter whether it's big or small. It's a mark. And you know your kids, and you know what they need to be celebrated. So what is significant to your kid? How do you want to mark it so they can pause and say, wow, look how far God has brought me. Where is God in this? And what does it look like for your family? And a question to start an interesting conversation in your life is, in all the stories in the Bible, when do you think God was the saddest? As in like sad, heart sad. What? Of all the stories that we know in the Bible, when was God's grief the largest? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. 